0: Hi and welcome to the Rags to Riches show with myself, Terry Blackburn. So this podcast is all about inspiring you, motivating you, pushing you on to achieve more in your life, whether that's in business, property, your health and fitness, your personal life, every part of your life. This podcast hopefully will help you achieve more, do more, get to where you want to be. So just before the episode starts, I have just launched a new website called TerryBlackburnProperty.com. On there, I've got all of the services that I offer. So one-to-one coaching in business, property, time management, goal setting, sales, persuasion, loads of different things on there. I've got some online courses, some one-to-one coaching courses as well. So please have a look on there. Really appreciate your support. And if you want to get involved, you want some more specific help from me, you want some more one-to-one coaching and and a Assistance from me to help you to get to where you want to be. It's all on there. Also, got a couple of books on Amazon and Audible. The Be Lion, which has won multiple awards worldwide now. And The Power of Peas is the new one, all about the different P words profit, power, perspective, purpose, etc. I hope you'll really enjoy. One last thing from me if you enjoy these podcasts and you benefit from them, you learn from them. All I ask is that you share it with your friends and family or someone who you think the episode is relevant to and you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That would massively help. The more shares we get, the bigger guests I can get on the podcast, the more people we can help and the more I can grow the show. So thank you so much. Get in touch if you like what you're listening to and don't just take notes, take action. My mum my brought us up. Didn't have any money growing up, eating beans on toast and stuff. till I was like 10, you know, I was the kid who didn't have anything like other kids had better shoes, better coats and all that than me. And I want to say that fact, because not that it's that interesting, but more the fact that if wherever anyone started, it doesn't, it doesn't matter where you started and you can, like, I haven't been given anything. I haven't been gifted in it. I haven't had no inheritance, no nothing. I haven't had no guidance from anybody up until a few years ago. And you, you can do whatever you want, as long as your mindset's right.
1: Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the podcast chat. And we have a very, very special guest today. Terry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us. Appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah, for coming. so we're at your lovely hotel here. Mm-hmm. Very, very nice. And yeah, I did get lost on the way. Like you <laughs> <said>.
0: <laughs> well, it's in Barnard castle for anyone who's wondering the ancient unicorn. I'll plug it nice and early. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes. yeah. It's cool. And you seen there's a lot of history around this, yeah.
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. 450 years old. Charles Dickens wrote a book one of the cottages, apparently hmm. 17 bedrooms, two houses, and I've got land at the back with planning for more houses. So hmm. bar restaurant
1: games room, which we're sitting in now. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. And other stuff that we won't mention on the podcast as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, leave it out. <laughs> yeah. So I'll get you to introduce yourself to the viewers and the listeners. If mm-hmm. like as if you're meeting someone for the first time and that kind of thing, a bit of an intro. Mm-hmm. Go for it.
0: So Terry Blackburn, I'm um, 34. I've got four kids that are hard work. Eleven businesses. Big into fitness, big into business, property. Yeah, I mean, how much do you want? I mean, lots of bite the lets, HMOs, the student accommodation. Airbnbs, hotels, bar, restaurant, construction company, letting agency, two books, podcast. Probably missing
1: something out. <laughs> forget what I do, but, but yeah, I do quite yeah. a bit. So and that's what I was thinking from your LinkedIn as well. I was thinking, how does this guy do all this shit? You know, what <laughs> yeah. I, mean? I didn't know you'd four kids either. So, like, <laughs> yeah, they're We're harder than any <laughs> business, especially <laughs> fucking hell. So let's go into the three facts then. Three facts about yourself that you've definitely prepared for. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely prepared. So I didn't know if
0: you wanted funny ones, you wanted <laughs> personal ones, business ones. So I've got loads of facts, but maybe it's the interesting ones. Well, it depends on who's lit, who what the class is interesting. But probably you've just touched on it. Actually, probably one of the most questions that are, are the most common question I get asked is how do I do everything that I do all yeah. at the same times, so all these businesses up until last year, I had about 160 staff across everything alongside being a partner to my missus, alongside being a dad to my kids. I live in Chester and most of my businesses are in the Northeast. So there's a location gap as well. And I get asked, how do I do all of that? And the fact is just, I don't work weekends. I only work late one night a week. I finish it generally four or five o'clock and I take my kids to school every day. And how I actually do that is there's no magic ingredient or special thing that I do. It's just being ultra structured on my Gmail diary. So my calendar is literally 15 minute blocks all day. I know exactly what I'm doing every single day got a great team around us, and probably one of the biggest things that anybody can take away from that is if they want to replicate similar levels of success or they want to do loads of different things, is fitness. If you're not fit, you're not a good leader, you're not a good manager, you're not a good business owner, you're not a good dad or mom, you're not a good partner. Nothing works properly unless you fit. And that's a fact. One of my facts, anyway, is if if you want to be high performance, and there's definitely people do more than me. By the way, more, a lot of people <laughs> do. More you do a lot than more me. than me. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of these levels. Right? Yeah. But the cornerstone in, in the in the, the what's the word? Yeah. The 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 center of all of this is fitness. Because mm. if you're not fit, you're just not your best. We talked about drinking off yeah. there. So if you're over and you're up, and you're tired, you're not your best. So that's not a healthy way to live though, is it? If you're out sessioning every weekend, it's not a good way to live. If you're drinking all the time, smoking all the time, if you're overweight, if you're not healthy, you don't do cardio, you don't do weights, you're not good at anything. And on the flip side of that, if you are healthy and fit, you've got a spring in your step, you've got extra energy, you can do more, achieve more, you think better make decisions better. So fitness is a big part of it. To-do lists, prioritizing and being ultra structured. Is how I do everything that I do. So that might be an interesting. Yeah, no, it's
1: interesting. And I think as well, a lot of Mm. people these days are obsessed with saying, are you busy or I'm Mm. so busy, aren't they? But surely the goal isn't to be busy, is it? It's to be able to have, enjoy your work and then Mm. enjoy your free time and your family time Mm. as well and stuff. Definitely. And you're not busy. You just have priorities, isn't it? Mm. Like People choose to prioritize different things that you say, Mm. you prioritize your work-life balance. Like yeah, you say, work definitely. work one definitely. night later a week and the weekend's off and then you can make it work. You know what I mean? They still successful businesses and stuff like that. Whereas other people are like, I'm so busy. I don't have time mm. to see you for half an hour for a coffee yeah. and stuff like that. And it's just, I don't know, I think it's just the way the world, it's like a grind culture now, isn't it? Yeah, it is this hus- hustle and grind culture.
0: It's, it is, it normally results in either burnout or some form of disruption in your personal life. Like I know loads of people that have had relationships that have broke down with the partner because they're working too much. Or the sacrifice fitness and the pursuit of money and success. When in reality, you're doing yourself out of money and success by not keeping fit. Mm -hmm. And you can do, it's not one or the other. You can do both at the same time and you're actually better at business, I believe, if you're fit anyway. Mm -hmm. So, and then you might say you haven't got time or, You know, I've got to take the kids to school. I'd have to take the kids to school. So I either get up earlier than them and train before they get up or sometimes I have to train at 10 o'clock in the morning and I have to move my work around and do it then. I have to train late at night. So it it can be done, but this hustle and grind culture, I don't think it's healthy. And I definitely done that by the way. Like at the start, I've been in business since I was 19. I'm 34 now, like at the start, like I sacrificed everything, like probably 19 to 23 ish. Like all I did was work, but that's not healthy. And yes, I made a shit ton of money, but like my relationship broke down. Wasn't very fit or healthy. I was drinking all the time. Like, because I worked so hard that my release was going out with the lads. Yeah. Partying, <laughs> which isn't good anyway. And, and you only, a lot of people get into this hustle and grind when they're younger or when they start getting into business. But I think as you develop as a man or a woman or a business owner, you learn that it's not actually all about that. Oh, um, life. And you don't want to have a heart attack. You don't want to, uh, uh, to affect your health or imagine getting really rich, but then being lonely. What, what's the point?
1: Mm, you've got
0: good. no one to spend your money with or on what, what is the point in money? There's yeah. no point <laughs> So you might as well just try and have, try and have the balance now. And that doesn't mean I don't work hard during the day because I'm, I work fucking hard during the day. Yeah. Mate. I can't swear on this call. yeah, yeah. yeah so, <laughs> cause I swear all the time, <laughs> uh, but, but I can like you, I, I do have a balance and, and yes, I didn't have a balance in the early days. and maybe it's that got us to where I am? Who knows? But I do think you can have a balance and you can, you can set your stall out right from the start. And I think you'll have a more fulfilled life. And you know, if you make 2 million quid instead of three or 4 million quid, but you're still really happy at home, then I'd much rather that. Yeah. Uh. Imagine having people that will be re- able to relate to this you're doing really, really well at work, right? You've had a fantastic day. You've made loads of sales or you've onboarded a new client or something great day. You come back home to chaos, to arguments. It completely takes the shine off your good day, doesn't it? Completely. And you're just like, no, exactly. So, so it dampens your success by not having a good home life. So if you've got a good home life, and even if you have an average day, it makes an average day at work better when you come back to a happy home.
1: She so look forward um, to going,
0: don't you? Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. And, and then telling your partner about what's happened, it, it's, it's a better quality of life. And I think this hustle culture is, yeah, it's, I don't think it's, it's healthy at all, but people will do it and they'll say, you know, I work seven days and I work all, yeah. and they're always bragging. It's an ego thing. It's like, are you happy
1: really though? No, yeah. and
0: they'll, they'll tell you that they are, but deep down other.
1: and because they, they work, I feel like it's because they work so much because they've got, um, nothing to go home for or nothing to look yeah. forward to isn't it and that's their release and that's their way of justifying themselves thinking mm-hmm. i am happy because i'm working all the time but yeah second Definitely. fact second fact
0: i grew up in throckley i was trying to weave in a northeast thing <laughs> so i grew up in throckley
1: which i have uh, no idea whereabouts it's
0: not the nicest part of newcastle put it that way uh, grew up in a block of flats you know i didn't have any money my my mum my brought us up didn't have any money going up eating beans on toast and stuff. So I was like 10, you know, I was the kid who didn't have anything like other kids had better shoes, better coats and all that than me. And I want to say that fact because not that it's that interesting, but more the fact that if wherever anyone started, it doesn't, it doesn't matter where you started and you can, like, I haven't been given anything. I haven't been gifted in it. I haven't had no inheritance, no nothing. I've not had no guidance from anybody up until a few years ago. And you you can do whatever you want, as long as your Mm -hmm. mindset's right. And I I did have something in me. I wanted to, maybe it's because I didn't have anything. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to have something. And that maybe has molded me a little bit into who I am today. But I just want to say that fact, because you might be thinking, you might, you might not be thinking like, this guy's got a lot of money and he's doing really well. And you know, I I am, I suppose that's relative, but like it it hasn't always been this way. Up until 18, 19, I was in with the wrong crowd, bad, very, very close to going down the wrong path drugs, drink, crime, and and all sorts of stuff. I didn't get arrested for anything, luckily, (laughs) Uh, but um, but I was in with the wrong people. Mm. Uh, Yeah, and I made it. So hopefully that's a little bit of inspiration for anybody's listening. Doesn't matter where you started.
1: Uh, Yeah, that's cool. What do you think it was in you then that wanted more? I, I suppose like as a kid, you always mm. want the nice things and your trains and your football boots mm. and that kind of thing. Yeah. But like, what, why do you think you wanted mm. that?
0: I think it was a little bit of envy of other kids. Like when we used to come back from the six week holidays, they'd been on holiday to wherever and I hadn't. And they had, that well, was a bit of a child back when they, <laughs> so they had the rock ports <laughs> and I eventually got rock I boards, the, the rock ports yeah. and, and the mirror peeps in the stripey jumpers <laughs> and all that. And I did have so but obviously <laughs> all my kids had better ones yeah. and, and I did start You don't know what you don't know. Right. And at a certain age, like I didn't realize that we didn't have any money. I just, cause you, like, don't it, you don't know, you don't understand the norm, these it? things. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I didn't really know. And then I got to a stage where I was starting to think, well, why, why have they got more than me? Why are they going to these places? Why can they go to this place? And I can't. And then that I just built up like a little bit of a, yeah, envy. I wanted those things. And then you start to learn about money in school teachers, you nothing about money, as you know, nothing about careers, entrepreneur, nothing, so you don't get it from there. So I don't know exactly, I can't pinpoint this is why I was like that, mm. but I think it was because I just, I wanted to do something. I mean, my next fact is, is, well, yeah, I'll say that, that what I was going to say on the next fact, because it does link to this, but-, well, just, but say, yeah. just say it now, if you want, link yeah. it in, link it in. Here. So, so I was a builder, 16 to 19, oh, okay. um, and I hated it. I hated every minute of it. These hands are too soft. I was going to say, I doing. could never be a builder either. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's just too soft. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I hated it. I hated every single part of being a builder. Mm-hmm. And the reason I was a builder was my mum told us you need a trade. Okay. And when I finished school, I was the naughty kid. I was getting suspended, taking drugs, being a nightmare. I was taking drugs at like 12, bad. It was crazy. Definitely in the wrong crowd. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. Literally taking drugs for school, it was mental. But then because I was so naughty and I, I didn't, I, I failed everything. Didn't even get a GCSE. It was all using, not I'm one. Li- and then li- I made that. I made That's an achievement
1: in itself. <laughs> and I'm a
0: financial advisor. I, I ran, which I sold last year, my main business, which is a financial advisory business. So dealing with people's finances, you know, you've got to be good at maths. Yeah. You know, and I failed maths. I failed everything. That's crazy. But going back to my point of being a builder, I just, I was kind of forced into it because my mum said, you need a trade. Mm. So that's what I've done. Um, and there was something in his, then I remember specifically. Cause I was an apprentice, right? And the apprentice, like you've got to make the tea and you've <laughs> got to make the coffee and you've got to go and pick that wood up from there and take it over there, no stupid shit, The worst <laughs> jobs, it's raining. You've got to carry like stupid you know, boards of plywood and stuff in the rain. <laughs> Horrific. Oh, um, I couldn't think of anything worse. <laughs> oh, man, it was brutal and I hated it. But me, me point that I'm getting to is even then I used to say to the lads who I was working with, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm not mm. going to be doing join me forever. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We said that chance, yeah, We said yeah, that, yeah, yeah, of course you are. Look at it. And all had metal elbows, dodgy knees and like bad old hobbling around Oh, like oh this. Fucked, yeah. Yeah. The, Cause building does take its toll on your body. but oh, you yeah. like, you
1: know, it it does. Um, I think it's it, only good in the summer when it's sunny and you can work with your top off. But, but yeah, exactly. And, and the banter <laughs> was good.
0: I did miss the banter when I got in the sales at 19. Mm. But <clears throat> my point was, I just like, maybe it was, Obviously the upbringing definitely played a part in who I am, but then being a builder and a hating your life so much. And I was never depressed, touch it. I've never had any mental health issues, mm. pretty strong up there, I think. But when I was a builder, I used to get to a Sunday and whether it was because I was drinking all the time on the weekend and Sunday, I was depressed or down <laughs> anyway, but I was getting to a point of like, ah, I hate, I was dreading Monday because I knew I had to get two metros in a bus just to get a site to do something that I hated to get paid pennies then have to travel back and I had no life on the night in cause I was so exhausted when I got home. But I think that molded me to who I am today as well, because I hate, I don't want to ever have to do anything like that. I wanted mm-hmm. to get into money and start making money. And I, I had it in as then I used to say it to people and people
1: used to think I was a bit
0: mad, like, why, why, how are you going to be a millionaire? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that?
1: And I just had it in us. Uh, you don't know at the time though, but you know, at the same time, don't you? It's weird. Definitely. Definitely. So, so what did you want to be when you were growing up then? What, like, was it obviously not a builder? <laughs> I, no,
0: I had no aspirations. I literally did not know, honestly. Yeah, and yeah. I just, I wanted to do, I just knew I wanted to make money and mm. I wanted to have a better quality of life than I had. Yeah.
1: That was definitely something, but I wasn't like, I wanted to be this, I wanted to be that. Mm. Cause like you are saying about school, I see it a lot, but it's a hard decision at 16 or 18 to ask mm. a child, what do you want to do or what do you want to be or? what career paths you want to uh, go on because you don't have a fucking clue, do you? Uh, uh, like I was saying to you earlier that I did hospitality management at uni and stuff uh, and I don't do that now because for me I just went to buy some time to figure uh, out what I wanted to do uh, and grow up a bit. But yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting all the different paths of uh, if it's go to uni and just figure it out. Because a lot of people don't even uh, use the degrees now or just go and earn some money, isn't it? And work yeah. it out yourself. So why why did you be a builder at 16, I'm saying you need to trade. How did that come about? It
0: was just literally my mum said, you need to trade. You're going down the wrong path. You need to get a job. Mm. And if she didn't say that, I probably would have been, I would have been getting up to no good, probably making money illegally. I I, (laughs) I would have that, that's the way I was and I was, and I don't know, as I was told and I do have a good work ethic and I still got that today, it's getting stronger, actually the work ethic side, but I still didn't miss a day at work, although I hated Mm. it. I still done it. But there was no- nothing. I mean, a lot of my mates at the time went to be builders as well. So it was kind of like, well, they're doing it. So I yeah, might as well do it as well. Yeah. And it was literally just making money until Friday, go out on the lash on Friday, spend all of your money and then start again. Yeah. And it was just in vicious this mad cycle. little, yeah, vicious cycle, mm. this mad path that you go down. And some people unfortunately never get out of that. Yeah. They're doing it now. Like I've got mates who are still doing it now, who are still out every single weekend Still mm. partying, party still drinking, still spending all the money. Probably, you know, they either rent or they're not on the, you know, they haven't got their own house, or they're you know, they're just living in the same place, doing the same thing, probably with the same car. Like it's, there's it's more life than that. Yeah. But unless they, they either think people like me and you, or maybe he's lucky, fortunate, or they just don't think they could do it. They don't think they could set up their own
1: thing, mm-hmm. so they limit themselves. And they just keep doing what they're doing. Before yeah. they know it, they're fifty years old. and It's too late anyway. I, don't, I think that people don't understand how money works, though. Um, like not, not at all.
0: Cause it's not taught at school. No,
1: nah, that's what I mean. I feel like at school, it's obviously GCSEs, A-levels, uni, mm. get a job, and then you're paid for your time, aren't you? Whereas really, if you paid for your time, you're never really going to be rich or successful quote no, unquote yeah. in, no, in cool. whatever way you want to define it. But if you bring yourself out of that and mm. you think, how does the world actually work and how does money actually mm. work? And you think that it's not actually that hard. To make a living mm. for yourself, no, I don't no, think not anyway. At not at all. If you're switched on enough and you and you can understand it, but hundred percent at, at nineteen, then for you, what flipped that switch? And you thought, fuck oh, it, I need to make a change.
0: <laughs> uh, this is another moment I'll always remember. You know, everyone's got moments you yeah. remember really clearly. I what thought it might be <laughs> for me was I'd been out from Thursday till Sunday, no sleep. What like bank holiday or something? No. Yeah. I don't even think it was a bad guy, was I think it was just me being in a knobhead, drinking all the time, partying with the lads. Yeah. Went to the boat. Remember the boat? Uh, the tuxedo princess oh, at yeah. the time, and it was a revolver dance floor. It was horrific, full of drugs and all that. And I remember looking in the mirror and like my face was all sucked in. I looked ill oh. and it was so I was dead skinny. I just looked ill. And I remember looking in the mirror thinking like, what am I doing here? Mm. And maybe it's because you want to come down from whatever you're <laughs> taking. And I remember looking thinking, no, nah, no. Nah, th- like, I, I've always thought I'm going to do something. This can't continue. Mm. So I changed my number. And weirdly, I think it was about a week to two weeks after that, I got made redundant as a joiner. Mm. So I didn't get any money though. It was just the end of my apprenticeship. Terry, you're a crap joiner. See you you don't know, get later. the job. <laughs> you get <not laughs> the job. See you later. So I cut ties with that group of friends because I made a conscious decision that I'm going to better myself. Didn't have no clue I was going to get into sales or do what I'd done at this point. I just, right, I'm not doing this no more. I'm going to stop the drink. I'm going to stop the drugs and all that cut ties with these certain people and then I got made redundant and that was like, what am I gonna do now? And then I made up a CV. Completely blagged it. And I sent it to loads of companies. And I got a sales job. And oh. then within two weeks, the second week, I maybe it's even done the first. Definitely the first or second week of that sales job. I made more in a week than I did in a month as a joiner. And I was like, this is for me, this him again the one after the week after. Sold my tools. And mm. I've never gone back to being a joiner. And at that point I felt like I had a purpose probably for the first time. Yeah. I was like, this is what I want to do. Mm. This is what I'm good at. I can use my voice and my brain and my personality mm. instead of my hands. Yeah. So I can make a load more money. And cause there was people, I was 19 at this stage in financial services, selling life insurance, an industry dominated by 40 to 50 year old folks. Yeah. I was the young kid and then. Uh, and again, maybe say, I don't know if it was ego. I don't know what it was. I remember uh, probably like a month day going up to the top sales people in the company saying, I'm going to beat you a, and everyone was like, what are you talking about? i like, yeah. <laughs> was kid trust This young kid. And I looked like <laughs> clean young, I looked about 15 and I was like, I'm going to be the biggest in this industry ever. <laughs> and and the the people bullshit. were just thinking that was fucking mental, <laughs> but I just said, right, like, that, that's what I'm going to do. And I just had it in is that I'm going to. I'm going to go for it
1: kind of, kind of went from there. So was it just like at 90, cause that's one thing that I kind of wish I did when I was younger is going to sales. Cause I've mm. never like been taught sales and that kind of thing. I've mm. always just had to kind of work it out myself. You know what I mean? And I think mm. I'm a better marketer than salesman, mm. but I think it's such a, it's the most important skill you can learn, mm. isn't it? Definitely. And like at 19, if you're learning that, you know what I mean? That's invaluable and that sets you up, doesn't it? Hundred percent. So then how did things kind of kick on then when you were saying that you're going to be the best the biggest salesman <laughs> in the whole entire world? <laughs> well, yeah,
0: I mean, I, I wasn't the biggest in the world <laughs> ever, but, but I did, I, I was the top in that company mm. and then I got headhunted for another American company called MetLife. Mm. So in uh, New York, you see the MetLife building, which yeah. is the big it's all in all the movies. So I was the youngest ever sales manager in MetLife Europe's history. So I had about 50 people working for us when I was like 22, 23. And I just, I loved everything about it. This was the point where I was just working mad. hours cause I went all in, you know, I was making 80, 90 grand when I was 19. Mm. You know what you A like? I was money. like, this, like yeah. but then I started to buy property with it. But if we focus on the, on the sales side, I just loved everything about it. And mm. I think when I look back and try to analyze why I did so well at sales, I, I remember, cause this was door knocking, right? Mm. Door knocking, selling life insurance. It's not like there's nothing even there, no product. Yeah. You're selling the concept of if you die, yeah. your, mom, your wife or your partner and your kids need the money. So it's but mm. a young kid trying to talk about death. You're was, selling it, yourself it was,
1: though, aren't you? Really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. But but people also a lesson in that is people buy people. Yeah. So I worked for Combined Insurance Company of America first, then I worked for MetLife Europe, and then I set up my own business. All of that was selling life insurance. Mm. The products at Combined Insurance were terrible. They were a little bit better at MetLife, and then they were better when I set up my own business. But I still sold loads of volume in each of those companies, but it's because they're buying me. Yeah. People buy people. Yeah. And the product to a degree doesn't matter that much. It obviously matters. And if you've got a better product, you're gonna sell more. Yeah. But people buy people and if they used to smile, you know, and the sum of it was medis thinking back it was like, the oh, memories felt a little bit sorry for the young kid knocking on the door. but <laughs> I wasn't bothered. He'd have put food on bonnet. his table. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was literally up at six. I was literally out the door at six and I was coming back at 10 o'clock every night. That's and gross, I'd done yeah. that for seven days for honestly, two or three years. Yes. And looking back, I was smashing monster energies, Red Bulls and I just, I just grafted and I knew, and I remember thinking, I'll just work twice as much as everyone else mm. to get the same results. Yeah. But then when you, when I got as skilled as the other people and I still work twice as much, then I'm doing double. Yeah. So it just kind of, it, it just went through
1: the roof and I was making a lot of money and I, and I loved everything about it. That's I loved th- it. I was gonna say, that's the thing that I say to loads of business owners mm. is if you're coming up with a new product or service, you're gonna be a billionaire, aren't you? But realistically, every business is the same shit as somebody else, mm. isn't it? Like a Rolex is a Rolex if you're selling a Rolex, isn't it? Mm. If you're selling digital marketing, it's the same hotel, whatever. But like the one differentiating factor is like you, isn't it? So like definitely. you say, when you're selling yourself, when you've got life insurance, the same companies within the, the same kind of products and services, but people go to mm-hmm. you for you, don't they? Cause it could go to anybody else within reason. Same with me, and my definitely. business, anyone could go definitely. to different people in my business. Like you can do there's people yeah. better than me, there's people worse than me. But that's, that's the one thing that we try and do is put your faces out there. Uh, definitely and, and, and show people because people like it for whatever reason, don't they? hundred percent. Whatever you've got friends, you've got family that like you. So if you put that out there for the world to see mm. more people will like you. Not everyone's going to like you, unfortunately, yeah. unless part of me, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah obviously. So then did you always want to have your own business then?
0: Someone asked us this the other day on the podcast. And I, I don't think I, I did. It was, I must admit at the start, it was solely money driven. I just mm. wanted to make as much money as physically possible. And then when I was at MetLife, I got to a stage of like, I was held back. I had loads of ideas. Although I had 50 people working for us, which is crazy. When I think back at 22 it's years old, leading. it's mental, but, but I, I could only have those people working for us because I was so successful at sales because I led from the front, mm. but lead by example. Kind of thing, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I didn't think I want to have my own business. I got to a stage where I kept putting ideas to life that I wanted to do. And I knew they would work and I knew I could bring in more business. I knew I could recruit more, develop more, grow more. But I was kept being prevented from doing that because I couldn't make the decisions because I was, although I was self-employed, by the way, this is self-employed commission only. So if I didn't sell it, I didn't get paid yeah. but all the way through that. That's like having your own <laughs> business anyway, isn't but it? Yeah, exactly. It pretty much is. Yeah. I was self-employed, sole trader still. But yeah, I, it was just a case of like, right, they're stopping me going to the next level and making more money. Right. And I looked at options, right? I could set up my own business. I can actually get more products, which means I can give a better service to customers and get more commission so it was just a, the natural next step for me to set up Bespoke. So Bespoke Financial was the first business to set up when I was 24 and I exited that last year at 33 and do really well off it. But yeah, yeah. What was it like then setting up? I took it in my stride. I must be honest, I didn't, I didn't struggle with it, it because I was kind of doing the same thing already. Mm. I was already selling life insurance and I was just selling life insurance under my own brand. And then we could, we've got Aviva, Zurich Legal in general, all the mainstream insurance companies, we've got them on our panel so we could use their products. So it was an easy transition from, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I still made loads of mistakes. <laughs> like I was recruiting people on looks and all sorts like <laughs> recruiting next strippers and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I had a bit of a mad few years. <laughs>
1: no, but The thing is you've got to make mistakes. Haven't you? Yeah. I think it's important. Cause you learn from them, don't you? That's what I mean. Yeah. The only mistake you make that's a bad one if if it's the same one you make twice. You know what I mean. As long as you learn from it, it's sound. Because yeah, definitely. like if you don't make any mistakes, you think you are fucking smashed it, and that, and then when things go wrong, you think oh, it's, it's, it's the end of the world. Yeah, What the fuck I yeah, thought yeah. I was class. Yeah. So then, how did things kind of kick on from then after you'd set up and you were you were, you were cracking on? Obviously, you'd made the mistakes of recruiting strippers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: So it just that. Said- it took off to be honest like yeah one i think we did about 300 grand and it went up pretty much every year you know when exit we're doing t- a couple of million a year so it was doing fantastic it just went strength to strength to strength then we added in mortgages so we started doing mortgages for clients then we did will writing services for clients we used to refer pensions we used to do home insurance. we just kept adding to the product suite so we could give customers more mm-hmm. ultimately make more money one-stop shop kind of thing yeah yeah. And I had 120 sales staff in the end. My business is still running now. My mates run it still. I'm just not involved. So it went went really, really good. I set up loads of other businesses along the way. So I set up another mortgage brokers, which exited as well, called the mortgage genie. She ended did loads, but that, that business gave me the money to do property. Mm. And if you asked me when I was 24, when I set it up, would I sell? I would have said, no chance. Mm. I loved it that much. But I said, I've done it eight, nine years, once a year. And my eyes were distracted a little bit because I was setting up these businesses and buying properties, which produced more income. Then I was coaching people and doing all these other things. And like, there's only so much you can do. And I'm not going to eat into my personal time with my missus and my family, anything. So it kind of just developed into buying more property and then the property started to produce huge amounts of money. And then I was kind of like, someone's got to give. So then I decided it was the right thing as it was to to get out.
1: Yeah. So yeah. That's cool. So property then, did you ever Mm -hmm. think you were going to go into property or? Oh what what kinda of got you into that then? Because obviously it's different to, yeah. to the financial service industry. Yeah,
0: definitely. I mean, I never thought I'm gonna be a property investor or different mm. again, it wasn't in as that I don't know why I started to buy property. Well, I kinda kind of do. When I was nine when I was twenty I bought my first house and I was like I was making all this money selling life insurance. Mm-hmm. After I did a little bit of that in the party and <laughs> live the dream, think that was the big go. But like, I've got this money here. I should really be doing something with this. Shouldn't really be spunking all of it. So I started to buy low-value properties. Made loads of mistakes, like horrific. I bought one at Auckland that I hadn't seen before, and it was a wreck. I had someone. Well, I don't actually know exactly what happened, but I think it was an attempted murder in the property. I had break-ins, I had drug dealers in there, man. Honestly, I made some bad mistakes <laughs> because <laughs> I really didn't know what I was doing. I didn't mm-hmm. educate myself. I hadn't read any books on it. I hadn't listened to any podcasts on it. I didn't have a coach or a mentor, nothing. I just thought, I've got some money. I'm going to buy some really cheap properties.
1: Mm-hmm. What, so do was- up
0: yourself then or? No. Yeah. Well, I was doing a little bit of the work. I was a terrible joiner. <laughs> um, you didn't even dress yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't, no. I, got, I don't even have pictures now. I'm useless, <laughs> but yeah, I just thought it's a good place to put my money and then I bought really low value ones. Then I got into a bit nicer, sort of hunt. My first ever one, by the way, was 14 grand, 14, really like 14 grand, grand in easy and colliery place in Durham. And then I bought three or four of those. And then I went into like buy to let's hundred ish grand. Then I went into the HMOs, which is your
1: student accommodation, where you rent it out per room. that will be good. Yeah. They do really well. Yeah. I was going to really say, well. cause like when I was at uni and you think, I'm spending 400, 500 quid a, a month per room in the cybers Wasn't it making a fucking fortune?
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's good money. But there's a lot of hassle with that. I've had tenants drinking each other's milk, arguing about cereal. I've had people four people in the wrong room and got into bed with somebody else when they were drunk. I've had loads of mads stuff fucking properties. I mm. the whole wanted auction blind this finished story. So I went to this auction. I went to bid on one property, and I got outbid. So, I offered another one and ended up getting it, which I'd never seen before. Mm. So, I got the keys and I, it was like a U shaped street. And I drove down this side of the U, and all the houses, either side, were boarded up, right? All of them. got around the bend, gypsies at the bottom mm. with caravans, mm. horses, bit out cars, and all that. And I was like, oh my God, what have I done? Round the bend. And then mine was there, which yeah, was the only one that wasn't boarded up. And there was like, Tim, it was metal boarded up with bars and everything on the. <laughs> It's where in, was it? just outside of Blythe, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, a place called East Sleekburn is where I always remember, <laughs> walked in, I cut a long story short, walked in, there was birds, like poo or whatever it was, or dog poo all over the place, disgusting, walked through the kitchen. I was like this, covering my nose and I looked, this is no joke, I looked in the back garden and it wasn't like you could access the garden from elsewhere, it was like a terrace, so it hmm. was fenced either side. Yeah. There was a horse tied to the fence in the back home. What, like of an animal ski- horse. Yeah, yeah, a horse, <laughs> uh, an alive horse, which, which was like, horse oh, cleaning, look ill and everything. I was like, whatever. I that know. come with the house? But <laughs> it was gone about two weeks later. The gypsies probably got, I, I have no clue. But yeah, I made some horrific mistakes. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But I just didn't know what I was doing. And the lesson in that is <clears throat> read books, listen <laughs> to podcasts and get a mentor. Or just, you don't have to pay for a mentor if you don't want to, or if you haven't got the money, educate yourself for free you and get loads on YouTube, I mentor people, but you can do a lot of it for free, depends mm. on your situation and your position financially, but I could have avoided lots of mistakes by educating
1: myself. Yeah, for sure. I feel like a lot of people, mm. especially like successful people will give you like free advice if you ask mm. them a question, won't they? Yeah, if definitely. you say, oh, I'm definitely. thinking about this, what do you think about this? Or blah, 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 blah. And they will help mm. you out here and, definitely. uh, and stuff like that. Cause you, it's the thing is, question. If they say no, mm. what's the worst they're going to say? They're going to say no, isn't it? if they help you agree and that kind of thing, which is quite cool. So the property thing then, I'm, I'm in, interested in that. Mm. So how did that, like, how did you kind of learn then? Was it just literally mm. self-education or did you have like a specific mentor or, or what yeah, kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, I only took on a mentor about two years ago. Oh,
0: really? Uh, yeah. So I had 40-ish properties by that point. So I, I did quite a lot, but yeah, the the, the book that got me i always remember is Rich Dad, Poor Dad, yeah, Robert yeah. Kiwasaki. everyone talks about this book. But that honestly, the if you summarize that book or my summary of that book is, you know, not always ha- working for money, exchanging your time for money, which was what most people do in an employed role, even self-employed role. You, you do something in, in, in order to get paid an hourly rate, daily rate, salary, mm. whatever. You're exchanging your time for money. That book is about putting your money to work so your money works for you and produces more money. And I was like, that oh, was like, like, yeah, I was yeah. like, "What, right? This is this is something here." Mm-mm. And he's got like five thousand property or something. That guy has neither wrote yeah. it. And then I started to get a bit obsessed with learning and reading about these people in America who were doing thousands of properties. I was like, "This is like a whole new world." I didn't understand. I didn't know anything mm-hmm. about this. But you got to remember, like, when I was twenty to forty years ago, like, there wasn't. I don't even know if YouTube was about that. I can't remember watching. It wasn't it. as big as it was and now. It wasn't and like yeah. Now you go on Instagram or anywhere, and property education's everywhere. Business education's everywhere. There's a million coaches, half of them are skint, and like you get loads <laughs> of coaching on all sorts for free or paid it wasn't that. And I just, I remember finding this book and I was, I've uncovered like some magic here, like something yeah. like a secret that <laughs> people don't know about. And I was, wow. And then I was just in obsessed, mm. earned as much money as I could from the businesses and ploughed all at the properties. Yeah, And yeah, that's how it kind of, mm. kind of started.
1: Because I think I only realized that a few years ago. So when I first started out, I did events business, like nightclub events, and then went into the marketing and me and my business partner at the time, we trying to do everything ourselves. You know what I mean? So we'd have the highest profit margins possible. And then when I set up my own in lockdown, I realized that the service we were providing could be better. And also I could have more time to just employ people who are better at the thing or who are close to the thing and then freeze up my time mm. to earn more money. Cause Definitely. you've only got, say if you work 40 hours a week, you've only got 40 hours in a week, mm. but if you can have other people in your team, give them the thing, then freeze you up more time to have the higher generating tasks. High value and, tasks, yeah, and generating sales or managing clients and, or whatever it may be. And, and that kind of thing Because I listened to the audio. Did you read it or audio book? Rich Dads. Yeah. Uh, both I've done the, oh, um, I, I don't yeah, like yeah. reading. You know, I can't you know, concentrate. Know. I get I, agitated. I, must, I listened, I listened to it though. Yeah, I it was, yeah. that's the kind of same takeaway that I thought. Yeah. Not. Obviously I mean, not my property. <laughs> I mean, I must admit,
0: I used to read it a lot more than I do now, but every day, honestly, and even weekends, even if it's just when I'm in the shower, Mm. I'll put a podcast on or an audio book like it's every single day and that's a lesson in itself for anyone. Listen, if you want to be high performance, don't, or even if you're doing really well financially now, your business is doing really well now, don't think for one second that you can just keep going at the same rate that you're going at, because Mm. your competition is always snapping at your heels and there's always somebody younger who's got more energy or was more skilled or more intelligent or more whatever than you, they're always snapping at your heels. So if you don't keep self developing and listening to self development and audio and perfecting your craft and learning new stuff, you're gonna, you're not gonna stay the same. Mm. You're gonna go backwards and you're gonna decrease because your competition's good and people are raising the bar constantly. Mm. So You've always got to sharpen your soul. Keep sharpening that soul with self development, and that's that's how I live my life. And I honestly, unless something drastically changes, unless I become like a, a sell up for a couple of billion quid, I I can't say that ever changing because. I actually do really love it. I love learning a new skill. Like if you look at all my different businesses, they're quite, although well, a lot of them have got links to each other, like hotels and hospitality is completely different than just buying property. Yeah, Financial services is completely different hospitality. <laughs> Letting agencies agency is different. Like they're, they're quite different. But what I do is before I set up a new business, I, I learn about it, hmm. I study it. I don't just read a book or listen to I'll study. I'll try and study, although I failed everything. But it <laughs> might be actually quite good too if I studied like the way I'm studying now. I wasn't interested in volcanoes and fucking Bunsen burners and that nonsense.
1: So irrelevant, though, I think. This Have stuff... you ever used a Bunsen burner? Oh, every day. Since... <laughs> every day.
0: <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen a volcano, neither. I've never looked at tectonic plates and all that.
1: Nonsense. But I, I think um, it's just a, off topic. But yes, education, it's a memory test, isn't it? And why do 100%. you need to. Re- remember stuff when you can just Google it or chat GPT, like whatever. yeah,, chat it how good is yeah,
0: that, AI? but, but as well as that you penalized for helping others or looking what other or copying, mm. that you penalized for that. Yeah. Like Google, whereas in reality, half
1: businesses, you just copy someone that's doing it successfully <laughs> and, <laughs> and you do your, your own, own way. spin on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. And that's the thing. I feel like a lot of people, when you say about self-education, when they finish actual school education. It's the same with exercise, isn't it? You exercise your muscles to work out, to feel better and getting bigger or stronger or to last longer. Whereas a lot of people stop exercising the brain, don't they? That's what I mean. Like if you leave school at 16, 18, 21 uni, and you don't listen to podcasts, read books, or listen to audio books and, or whatever, then you're not going to improve it. You're not going to get better. You're not going to be sharp because you're not exercising your brain, which is probably the, the most important muscle. And like you're saying about the fitness as well. I think fitness is most important for my mental, more than the physical, 100%, 100%. even though it's important physical, isn't it? Yeah. But for me mentally, like if I don't go to the gym for like two days, I feel more tired, more oh. lethargic. And I'm like, fuck, I need to go to the gym. You know what mm. I mean? And uh,
0: grumpy, miserable, snapped people. Yeah. Like three days, normally day three for me. If I haven't. Yeah. Day three <laughs> is like, oh, I'm I can mess. go two days without yeah. going, but yeah. then like you
1: say, the third day, I'm like, I'm oh, fuck 100%. <laughs> so then, 11 businesses. Yeah. Mm. People probably ask you all the time, but like, how do you allocate your time to the different ones? You say your your schedule's pretty Mm, regimented and that kind of thing. Obviously I'd imagine you've got a good team around you, but it must take time and a lot of, energy to build that team, the trust as well that you must have, in those people who are running numbers because they're your babies at the end of the day, aren't they?
0: Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, it is, I'm not going to say it's easy. It's, it's definitely not. Mm. I mean, business is a much better ROI than property and that's because it's harder Mm. and, and managing staff and people will always be the, in my opinion, will always be the hardest part about any business Mm. because there's a lot of moving parts of staff, but if you looked at my last year, there was 160 odd staff, of course, everything that I've got, it's impossible for me to manage that many people you can't manage of <laughs> yourself, it's impossible. Yeah. So what you have to do is you have to build a, a core team. So I've got PA, ops manager, guess I've got key members of staff in each business. So I manage them, then they manage the people mm-hmm. underneath them. Mm-hmm. And it's just about having, we do, what we follow a did. i try and make business as simple as possible. And what we simply do is every Monday, have a meeting with my key members of staff and we plan for the week ahead. It's as simple as that. Once see it right, what happened last week? And what have we got on the agenda for this week? What needs to be done this week? Obviously, we'll discuss any issues as well, because there's always issues. <laughs> always firefighting to do. But we'll discuss what the plan is, and then a check-in on a Wednesday, which is just a forum. So meetings on the Monday, check-in Wednesday, a couple of phone calls, how are we getting on? Well, have you done this? Have you done that? Mm. Why not? Why, why about this? Why didn't we do that? Friday checkouts. And it's, it, it's definitely not easy. I'm not saying it's, it's easy, because it's very stressful. Mm. And it's full-on, and I work a lot, and there's times I get really stressed, and there's times... Anyone who says that business is just a breeze and easy, and they make it maybe it's uh, look easy on social media, the liars It's Not true. <laughs> yeah. a complete lies. It's 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 very difficult. <laughs> it's very stressful, and it's it's not for everybody. No. And you don't have to be a business owner. You don't have to be an entrepreneur. Like the Lord might be portrayed to be that way on social media. Like you don't have to do that. It's fine to work for someone else and be number two or number three, and you can still make a lot of money. But back to the question, that's that's how I kind of do it. I, I manage my key members of the team. I check in. I do a Monday. We do a, it's whip. We call it work in progress <laughs> on a Monday. Check in Wednesday. Check out Friday, and we do that every single week. And that you've got to, you've got to give your team responsibility. And this is one thing that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with is giving up the control because a lot of Mm. people are control freaks and they want to, oh, they'll never do it as good as me, but they don't have to. I I struggled with
1: with that as well. Yeah. And when you, you give that away, you think fucking hell, you're probably better than me. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, And if you get people who are better than you at certain things, that's when you really win. And another point on that is you've got to like, as an entrepreneur at the start, I did this, like when I was recruiting administrators, for example. In the mortgage business, it was like, get them as cheap as possible. But you get what you pay for. If you get them as cheap as possible on minimum wage, they're gonna be
1: shit, not that good. <laughs> yeah, I was being careful what I said there.
0: But they're, gonna, they're, they're normally not gonna be that good. So certainly for, for key members of staff, you've got to pay well. That doesn't mean you've got to pay them fortunes because you've got to watch your cash flow. And it doesn't mean you pay them fortunes day one. Sometimes you've got to go through the reps. Mm. Like at the gym, you've got to go through, because you can't go and employ someone on 50 grand when you're starting off in day one, because you're going to struggle cash flow wise, you've got to build up. And if you want to get the like, think about the likes of, I don't know, Amazon, Netflix, all these big companies. Like what their CEOs and COOs are on fortunes, because you need to pay well for to have a huge business that's really, really doing well. You need good people, and if you want the good people, you've got to pay. Mm-hmm. As simple as that. And you've got to manage them. You've got to give them responsibility. Let go of certain things and do the best you can and, and keep like read books. If, if you want to build a team, read books on recruitment, read books on management, Mm -hmm. like read books on, on structure, everything's available. There's always someone who's done what you want to do and who's more skilled and more experienced in what you want trying to achieve. So just copy
1: them. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think the, the thing that I want to ask you about is. How do you find people you, that you can trust or how have you found like recruiting people that you can trust? Cause obviously they're mm. key roles out in the businesses. Say with me, I've only got like a small teams only like four of us mm. and it's quite easy for me to manage a small mm. team like that, yeah, but yeah. if you've got 160 people and you've got key, pe- key people in those positions, mm. how, how did you find that transition from like, obviously not being able to have everybody that you know, mm. and you can rely on kind of thing. Yeah.
0: I mean, it, it, it's a hard, because you're, I think everybody has a little bit of that in them at the start. I think yeah. everybody, it doesn't trust people because when you're paying a salary or you're paying them, mm. it, it changes the dynamic of that relationship straight away, doesn't it? Because you're like, mm. well, I'm paying them. I want to make, but you've got to just through the reps of doing it, they'll never care as much as you. Yeah. They'll never be as good. Well, to oh. so a degree that some of the people obviously will, but it is quite hard to find that balance. And when you're mm. inexperienced in business, you're not going to recruit the person that's been doing it 25 years because they're going to look down on you and think, well, how would it work for them? You've got to kind of go through the mud a little bit to get Mm. to the feel kind of thing. So, and you've got to just learn that I trust people, but verify. Certainly at the start, I trust, but verify. So as in, trust them to do a task, but check that they've done the task. And, and once you've checked enough and you've learned that they'll do it anyway. So once you've you've trusted them and you've given them a task and you've checked if they've done the task and if they, and you don't tell them that you're checking, you just keep checking, right? Mm. And over time, if you've checked enough and they always do what they're going to do, then you can build them the trust. Yeah. So always give them trust, but verify. And then Mm. eventually you'll get to the trust stage. And then once you build a good team, Richard Branson says a fantastic quote, which always stuck with me. I had this on the wall in one of the businesses actually was praying people so they're good enough to leave but treat them like they never, treat them good enough so they never will. Yeah. Something to that effect. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> um, but I've always tried to do that because I give them every bit of training I could possibly give them and I try and help them be the best version of them in their role that they can be. So they could easily leave, mm. but I treat them well enough so they won't, and people still leave, don't get us wrong. Yeah. And you know, people still screw you over and I still get it wrong. People mess you around, people lie to you in interviews, the the, what the I don't even see the point in interviews half the time because they just tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. Half of them are, they just absolutely lie and they telling you, I'll do this in the journal, I've done this before and they haven't,
1: yeah. but mm. this is the, the joys of business and dealing with people. Yeah. Cause when I found that I gave the, the trust and the responsibility and able to make decisions for themselves and be able to just do it. And like you say, just mm. check the work and be like, oh yeah, that's good. And it empowers people, doesn't it? And think, oh. I'm making this decision or it's my idea. Like you were saying when you were younger, you felt like you were being held back at MetLife because you couldn't do the ideas that you were saying. Yeah, it was hard going, mate. It was really hard. I mean, before kind of about
0: 120, and then the glamping site, obviously this place, four restaurants. So in total, was it was like 160 across everything. Yeah, it was hard going, mate. It doesn't get easier, but there's kind of like, once I had a sales trainer, it was the main point of contact for a lot of the sales team. And then I had team leaders. So like I wasn't towards the end, mate, I was, I was doing a Monday motivation, which we used to do this big meeting. And I used to GF GF10, and I kind of didn't really deal with half them, mate. So it was kind of, but you have to go through the, the like I said, the trenches and you've got to go through all the shit. And at one point I was managing like 50, 60 sales staff directly. I don't know how the fuck I was doing
1: it to be quite honest. It was full on. For real, we always have technical problems on this podcast, but we are. Have... Terry, right. You're a busy, busy man. Let's wrap this up. So what are the plans moving forward then? So obviously you've exited the financial business, was it mm-hmm. last year, you say Yeah. And then yeah, Luke, yeah. moving forward, what's, what's the plans, what's the plans? So a big, a big
0: focus of mine uh, at the moment is I've noticed in if certainly from my research, there's no real sales expert, sales trainer in the UK at the moment. Mm-hmm. Loads of American guys, isn't there? Grand Cardular, yeah. Homozy and all them. But I want to become the top sales expert, sales trainer in the UK. Yeah. I've recruited hundreds of people over the years, trained hundreds of people, made millions of pounds all from sales. So I'm building a sales course which is actually launching next week, like a co- online course, and then I'm gonna launch that into working with businesses to grow their sales teams, look at how to increase sales, work on marketing companies, just mm. basically being the guy that can help you increase your sales. Because mm. I think in troubled times like we're in right now, recessions come and everything costs more, interest rates are higher. People need to sell more to survive. Mm. So been doing sales for 15 years, so I wanna really take ownership of that space. So. Loads of content, loads of courses, free courses, free content as well as paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to become that man. So that's that's one of my big focuses right now. Yeah, uh, I've just got the hotels, got bars, restaurants, got uh, the letting agency, got a construction business. So
1: there's all those businesses are still running. <laughs> but I want to really dominate that space. And yeah, that's that's a big focus right now. Exciting, yeah. And then, what do you reckon your greatest strength is and your greatest weakness?
0: Greatest strength is definitely sales. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, because just just on that point, point, one one last thing is like, we have literally sold, like we were breaking records. We broke our own records multiple times in life insurance sales. We were doing 1,100 new customers per month, cold calling and self-generated leads in the UK, which has never been done before. And we're broken at 700, then 800, then 1,000, and then 1,100 we're doing in the end which, and I'd trained these people. I was getting people who were chefs, never done sales before, training them up and they're making a hundred grand year once, selling life insurance, personal trainers, administrate as, what else do I have, hairdressers, builders. I was training because, because I do know how to sell. I know how to teach people how to sell. Yeah. So, but yeah, I won't go on about that anymore. But yeah, so I love everything about sales mm-hmm. and I'm really good at it if I don't say so myself, yeah. so that's definitely my strength, my weakness, I'll probably say I've I've got a habit of taking too much on hmm. because I don't want to say shiny penny syndrome as in always looking at the next thing, but I have been guilty of that in the past. I've been setting up business after business, after business, after thing, new thing, new, buy, 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 buy all, all these properties. And sometimes not looking sideways and not looking backwards to the stuff I've already got hmm. so I'm always focus on the next thing. And I've learned since probably last year is it's not always about, excuse me, although you've always got to keep progressing. Like you don't have to go a million miles an hour. You don't have to keep setting up business after business after business to get to where you want to be financially. You can really, and I've always still made the businesses profitable. All my businesses are profitable and they do really well. But, but I think if I focused on them a little bit more before going into the next thing, I could have made them even better. Mm -hmm. So, so I've definitely got that as a, as a weakness, but one thing I suppose it's a strength is you've got to be self-aware enough to realize your weaknesses. Yeah. And if you can become self-aware enough to self-analyze and self-critique yourself regularly, you can spot your own blind spots and you can spot the holes and you can spot the bits that you need to fix because a lot of people aren't self-aware enough to do that. A lot of people are stuck in the ways and they do things a certain way and
1: that's why they get the same, they do the same things all the time and get the same results. Yeah. It's like Einstein's got that saying, isn't it? You do the same stuff over and over again. You expect a different result. You're an idiot, basically.
0: Definitely. Mm. Definitely. And and you've got to try and be honest with yourself. Mm. Actually be, because entrepreneurs are typically entrepreneurial and mm. um, optimistic. So we look at the the half the powerful thing. we are always make <laughs> the best is, is yeah. going to happen. But all the time it's not. That's nah, always it's, the worst. It's, it's, no, it's, it's, not, it's sometimes the worst. Sometimes it's in the middle, isn't it? Yeah. So you've got to try and discipline yourself to just be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Look yourself in the mirror and think, right, well, you know, is this actually working this business? Sometimes you might have to shut one down. Mm-hmm. Is this staff member really worth keeping? Is it worth pursuing this avenue for much longer? Just be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't think too optimistically, but don't think too pessimistically either. Just be honest. And if you can get at that stage and you're honest with yourself, you can make better decisions anyway. And it's not always about grow, 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 grow. It, it's sometimes about keeping like, I don't want 160 staff ever again. Yes, <laughs> I might end up doing that, I might. but <laughs> I might eat my words there, but but currently I don't want any, that's why self ed, like education and sales training, I don't need a large team. Mm-hmm. So that for me is easier to manage. It's still high value, it's high profit, and yeah. I enjoy it and I can make a difference. So that's something i want to be involved in but i'm like if you looked at me five years ago it was like more stuff yeah bigger office for the ego kind of staff. thing yeah. yeah there was a little bit of ego in there definitely there was a little bit of i just knew that more people meant more money yeah. and more growth and more awards you know i've won awards in iceland berlin for krakow i've won them all over the world i have won 15 <laughs> awards yeah but <laughs> I do forget them all because i've always drunk it them. um but but like for the growth and, and mm. obviously that's a bit ridiculous it did. It, yeah, it's it it like a bit of an ego thing because everyone knew I was the main man in life insurance. Mm. So, so yeah, I know we're digressing a bit there, but the lesson mm. from that is be self-aware enough to mm. self-analyze and self-critique and make sure that you, you continue to progress
1: in a way that you're comfortable with yeah. right for you at your stage of life. That's a good, good take. And then where can people find you? Where can people find the sales? Still so well, it out. It'll be out by the time this podcast. Yeah, up, it's coming right? up next
0: Thursday. I don't know yeah. what the date is next Thursday, but next Thursday. Sometime in September. It's yeah, September, yeah. <laughs> 2023. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Instagram's terry underscore blackburn underscore property. LinkedIn, Facebook's the same. My website's terryblackburnproperty.com. Everything's on there. I'll be promoting the hell out of it. Yeah. So uh, you'll find it somewhere. Two books on Amazon, Bayline and in the Power of Peas. Uh, and my podcast, Rags to Riches on mm. Audible, on Apple well, in yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect.
1: Yeah. Right. Everybody, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like the video, comment your favorite part. And then if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure to follow the podcast and leave a five star review. And we'll see you next time. Bye, 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 bye. Thank you.